Welcome to 60 Weeks, 60 Books, Week 11. I will be looking at The Young Elizabeth this week by Jean Plady, but more accurately, Jean Plady's oeuvre as a whole. Over the next 10 weeks, I'm going to be looking at some of the books I read between the ages of 11 and 20. Those teen years were spent mainly at boarding school. Nowadays, shaped by a mixture of hard economics and Harry Potter, boarding schools are much gentler, more caring environments than the windswept wastelands that I remember from the 1970s and 1980s. My teachers, housemistresses, matrons, senior leaders seemed to me distant, chilly figures who took virtually no interest in us girls. We were left largely to our own devices in a world before electronic devices had been even dreamt of. There were long stretches of time to fill between prep and waking up the next morning. There was little supervision once lights were officially meant to be out, and weekends seemed to be largely empty of any organised activity unless you were brilliant at games and off on matches, which I was not. This was also in the days of only three TV channels with little daytime programming. There was Radio 1, there were cassette tapes and there were books. So at this stage, I was hoovering up books, any books. Liberated from the restrictions of my prep school, no books from home, supervised baths with no more than five inches of bath water and five minutes of bath time, no radios at all, I discovered the joy at Rodine of reading in the bath for hours. You could fill the bath up with hot water, sit there, drop your book in it, get the weight pages all crinkly, and then, once it cooled, empty it partially and refill it with more steaming hot water. I would lie there for hours, glomming up books, listening to the radio or tapes. My first tapes were, embarrassment moment, the best of ABBA and the best of bread. It took me some time to work myself towards cooler music, notably Blondie's Parallel Lines, a bit of Joe Jackson and The Cars. I am not sure where the books came from. We had two libraries, the reference, the ref, which you weren't allowed to go into as a young kid. It was reserved for sixth formers. And the fic, or the fiction library, which was full of very dusty old hardbacks. I remember reading Jean Plady novels by the yard, but they were paperbacks. I started off my first year at secondary school, age 12. I shared a room with Debbie, who was small and dark, and Al, who I came to know a little better. Her mother and mine were the only, at that time, divorced parents, I think in our year group and probably our house. Al's mother was super cool. She had a white mini with a rural scene of a fox hunting a pheasant painted down each side. Pretty much all that the three of us had in common was that we lived in London. But from somewhere, the Plady novels appeared and we passed them round, increasingly tatty paperbacks. The Young Elizabeth and the Young Mary Queen of Scots were the gateways to first Murder Most Royal, Plady's interpretation of the life of Anne Boleyn, and then a whole host of novels about various kings and queens of England. Plady embedded for me a particular view of first the Tudors, then the Stuarts, of the Hanoverian succession, the Plantagenets, and a sense of the broad sweep of English history from the Wars of the Roses onwards. I'd loved historical fiction as a younger child, Rosemary Sutcliffe, Leon Garfield, Ronald Welsh, but when I came across Plady, I was utterly hooked. The books were all about relationships. 
Although now it is clear that they were really tame, they felt steamy, full of stolen kisses and forbidden passions. Unable to find an online copy of The Young Elizabeth for a reread, I opted instead for Queen of This Realm, which I had not read. The Life of Elizabeth I, it is rather more detailed uh, in its explicit nature than The Young Elizabeth, particularly of the tricky relationship between Elizabeth and Thomas Seymour. Thomas Seymour married Catherine Parr after the death of Henry VIII and Elizabeth was taken into their household. He has a rather predatory attitude towards her and she enjoys the flirtation as a silly 14-year-old. But it devastates Catherine Parr and they end up estranged. Catherine Parr then dies in childbirth and Elizabeth feels deeply guilty and much warier of men. The book has, in common with all of Plady's novels, the rollicking good read element that I remember as utterly absorbing. Plady was hugely prolific and pinning down her oeuvre is confusing. She wrote under numerous pseudonyms and various books were repackaged and renamed. Her actual name was Eleanor Hibbert, but she is best known for producing three key types of historical fiction under three different names. First, there were the Plady novels, which were based closely on the lives of princesses and queens, of which she wrote 91 between 1940 and her death. Then she, arguably alongside Daphne du Maurier, revived the Gothic novel as Victoria Holt, producing stories set mainly in windswept Cornish mansions, teetering on clifftops and owing a great deal to her own enjoyment of the Brontes and Wilkie Collins. Finally, she wrote more romantic novels about young women in historically interesting times, such as The Approach of the Armada as Philippa Carr. It was the Plady novels that really gripped me. I had the kind of mother and grandparents who believed that children should be hauled along to castles and cathedrals at every opportunity. By the time I encountered Plady, I had been hauled along to Carnarvon, Conway, the Tower of London, Windsor, Hampton Court, as well as the great cathedral at Santiago de Compostela, the Alhambra, the Mosque of Cordoba, the Giralda of Seville and the Caves of Covadonga, site of the first Christian victory over the Moors in 8th century Spain. My mind was a jumble of Norman knights, crusaders, Robin Hood, King Richard, Richard III, Henry VIII and his six queens. As a child, old stones and ramparts held a resonance that still lingers. I still find it magical to set foot in the places where centuries of men and women have previously walked, lived, loved, suffered and rejoiced. As a child, I also had a gruesome relish for visiting the darker places, the dungeons, the oubliettes, the crypts, the spot where the scaffold for the block had been placed in the Tower of London. Once I read Plady, it was easy to imagine Elizabeth taken by boat through Traitor's Gate into the Tower of London, or Mary of Scotland immured in Fotheringay waiting for the inevitable exposure of the conspiracies to dispatch Elizabeth. It was clear to me, even then, that Plady was a super-functional writer. Her books gallop along with little nuance, subtext or complexity. They're accessible stories, recasting what might have been dry-as-dust facts as romantic sagas, every heroine more or less breathless and focused entirely on her interpretation of these key moments of history. They are also definitively girls' books, 
just as the Alastair MacLean books I also devoured were pretty definitively boys' books. They are the kinds of books that people feel less guilty for reading because amidst the cracking good yarn comes information, whether that is focused on the life and times of Charles II or how to blow up a battery of guns. But what Plady does best is draw strong women. They are all pretty alike in my memory, blending into one strong female protagonist. Reading Queen of the Realm, Elizabeth I is a definitive example of the type. Self-reliant, shrewd, determined to outwit and outlive the enemies around her. Attractive and appealing to both men and women. Capable of commanding deep loyalty and also vulnerable to falling for quite the wrong man. Elizabeth enjoys flirtation. And Plady's position is interesting. She depicts the Queen as intrigued by men wanting their company and their courtship, but not really interested in diluting her power by any deeper liaison. It is clear that Elizabeth fears marriage because it will marginalise her. Frequently, what matters in Plady novels is not the relationships between men and women, for often the marriage is arranged, the men are flawed or unloving, and the women endure. What really matters are two key aspects of a woman's life. Survival in a world of intrigue and the friendships that sustain and support that survival in a hostile environment. No wonder we loved Plady so much in our boarding school, which definitely at times felt like a very hostile environment. Next week, my first truly huge book, physically and in terms of its impact. I'll be looking at Gone with the Wind, which even in the 1970s was clearly a deeply troubling book. Join me next Saturday.